0: doing this morning carmen
1: i am doing okay i am extra tired today oh no that's oh. I've, I've been staying up too late so ah, it's my own fault. project good. runway reruns or or binging project runway <laughs> on netflix has become a real problem
2: for me. oh no but,
0: we'll have to change your 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 hours in the garden then to, yeah. to uh allow for project runway yeah uh,
2: yeah, I'm always I like, just, just one episode Just
1: one episode <laughs> It's never just one, you know
2: uh,
0: My silly adventure this week was um, To add uh, Cajun spice to my Kombucha oh my. for the week In the bottles, and I only did a few Because I thought this was really probably kind of A dumb move And um, because I didn't know When I would actually drink something like that Yeah <laughs> So the rest of it I put in my usual ginger and whatnot. But anyway, these three bottles. So today I tried the first one this morning, and I realized it's not bad with eggs. Really? (laughs) But you wouldn't want to drink it when you're ready for fruit or something.
1: What is in Cajun spice? Like, I'm trying to imagine what that is.
0: uh, Oh, that's a good question. It's kind of spicy, um, and it has a lot of different things in it. So it's very complex.
2: Um, But it doesn't...
0: It, it it's not like the sweet fruit thing that right. we usually do with uh uh with kombucha, it goes right. the other way.
1: Yeah, that's a that's an interesting flavor.
0: Which is a marvelous segue to accent plants because they yeah. are in quotation marks. Interesting. They're
1: interesting.
0: With an exclamation point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when uh let's see, what when did you first get exposed to Kusumono? Do you do you remember? A moment or
1: uh oh yeah it was in 2011 when i just started working with the bonsai collection at the university of michigan Mm -hmm. Uh, my first introduction really to that collection was going with uh, connie Crancer, who was taking care of the collection at the time we went down to the abs conference in louisiana no not louisiana what am i saying louisville oh my gosh Clearly I haven't been getting enough sleep, (laughs) but we, we were there and in the show there was a dandelion planted in a rock as an accent to, I don't remember the tree, maybe I think it was a white cedar and it like that one really hit me because it was what people see in their yard and try to get rid of, but it was so beautiful when it was put in a rock and presented as its own piece mm-hmm. of art um <laughs> so that one's always really stuck with me and i've kind of looked at weeds differently since then as far as <laughs> um even stuff like uh, stinging nettles and poison ivy much oh yeah
2: mm-hmm.
1: as far as pots for accents not necessarily you know a pretty little glazed pot but um, what about like a broken concrete block or you know something that just kind mm. of reminds you of that weird plant growing in a sidewalk crack where you might mm. see something like a dandelion but that really kind of exposed me to how pretty mm. an accent could be and how mundane the plant material could seemingly be. Mm. Uh,
0: so it sounds sounds like that triggered a bunch of question marks. Oh yeah
2: for That's sure. Yeah, uh,
0: Yeah I think uh, my first adventure with uh, accents and larger uh, kusumono that was in Japan, where we had a lot of really large kusamono and uh, weed things, and then, and then uh, a smaller number of kusa, or weeds, that you would use maybe with a bonsai. But the one that I remember that really kind of started my curiosity was that Shinji Suzuki, my teacher, had collected 25 years before it was an orchid it collected it back when he was an apprentice and it was some sort of terrestrial orchid I never did identify it or anything but Tachi and I were terrified of you know mismanaging the watering on this orchid yeah you know it was probably I don't know if it's fear or (laughs) right there's nothing like the fear of ruining a
1: sentimental piece of your teachers I mean I wouldn't know anything about that
0: No, I wouldn't assume so. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And uh, I think ever since then, I've been really curious about them. Of course, the kusumono were were big. They were, you know, some of them, the grasses and reeds were, you know, three feet tall. And you put them in a big tokonoma by themselves, uh, along with a little, oh, uh, a little bronze dragonfly or something as an accent. Um, And perhaps a bird flying overhead on a scroll or something like that. And we create this whole imagination. and it, you know, it sent you into the, uh, the feeling of summer. We, we did a lot of summer displays with the Kusumana. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: and I think then later, I, you know, I kept that interest. And certainly, as you know, we have a lot of them in the, in the garden there. Uh, and I uh, started playing with them um, in ways that um, continued the, uh, the curiosity. Uh, John Eads and I uh, went out to an area that had been burned in a forest fire And uh, we were specifically looking for pieces of burned uh, log that uh, we could use uh, to plant um, perennials and maybe even small, young, sapling, uh, Northwest native plants as an imagination for a nurse log. And we found a couple of them. We brought them back and we planted some things on those. And that was a lot of fun. And I didn't know whether to call that. Kusumono, or what to call it, but it was (laughs) it it wasn't normal bonsai because it was it was mostly you know perennials Mm -hmm. and really really young you know just like five year old plants and that was kind of where we wanted to leave it. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's kind of like a supersized kusumono, or yeah, taking it one step further and going just
0: yeah 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 those were twenty five pound um kusumana
1: (laughs) yes can confirm they are (laughs) especially when they're wet
2: right
1: (laughs) you have um at least one blog post about those and i remember seeing you putting those together with john on the blog and i really think they're super interesting and pretty and now that they're a few years old when we've Mm. been moving them you know in and out for the winter or during a super hot spell uh We've been noticing how the the roots are of some of the plants are growing through the wood, and yeah. even sending out shoots on the other side of the log. And it's a really interesting
2: yeah yeah kind of
1: evolution of how that log is uh-huh. broken down and used, and how the whole yes yeah, been colonized is growing. And eventually, that log will will kind of just disintegrate, right? And just kind of be
0: yeah, it'll be a mass of roots. Yeah, yeah. and we we keep uh, accents in general, kind of on the wet side. So you often mm-hmm. see roots, you know, kind of uh, bumping along, charging across the surface of uh, pots and pieces of wood or whatever you might use, um, some rock uh, to to plant them on. I think this leads into really a discussion of styles, you know, styles of accents. Um, we have here in the United States, uh, our, our premier Kusumono artist, Young Cho, who does an absolutely... Gorgeous, um, very carefully designed, organized accents, uh, one type of style. Our Othmar from from Europe, a real magician, Um, he has some accent plants that he hasn't repotted in 20 or more years. And they're incredibly full, kind of jungly, really wild. Did they just feel they feel like nature you know mm-hmm. <laughs> really really something how about bachman makes some some beautiful ones as well i have i have a number of heroes out there and each one of these people are doing slightly different i mean it's almost like the set of a branch mm-hmm. on bonsai where if you're familiar enough with someone's work you can see it across the room and you can recognize it
1: yeah i think that's really interesting how you can see the the artist in the kusimono as well it's it's would maybe seemingly be something that oh it's a plant it's like a big messy plant so how would you know who did it but you really can't tell the difference between who has put them together and if you've ever done a workshop with young cho she's so super fun she's just like she's so yeah. happy yeah. and cheerful and creative and she's just she's great to work with and um and watch build those yeah, The
0: enthusiasm things. is oh, is, uh, it's, is beyond infectious you can yeah. go away with yeah Yeah, Yeah, the first
1: time, I mean, I put some (laughs) accent and accent plants together for the university. You know, we had a few in the collection. And then after a workshop with her, with the the local bonsai society, I remember getting super into it and being like, okay, yeah, we need these. And then going out around the properties and just digging stuff up and um, Mm. building Mm. little little kusimono. And there's one in particular that's been my favorite and I, I just love watching watching it grow and change and keeping something in it that you know kind of blooms or does something special every season so it's not just one one season although those yeah. those two are you know important to have just one plant in a in a kusumono
2: yeah kusumono
0: you know it's a part of bonsai but it makes us think differently about it and it almost has a spark of of playfulness about even creating them and appreciating them
2: mm-hmm.
0: um i mean they do kind of rest in the what the japanese will call so or playful childlike type mm-hmm. uh a, 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 a aesthetic uh of which uh, you know bunjin and plants like that are, are a part of um but uh as you were saying you know you're uh, running outside and looking for what's out native i mean this is something that you can you can do for this for pennies, uh, which is really mm-hmm. wonderful, and you learn a little something. I have uh, certainly when bumping around in the in in the forest looking for uh, for some of the understory plants. But our fields are full of really interesting natives and semi natives.
2: Yeah, natural <laughs> yeah, sort of
0: becoming natives. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> be right. <laughs> um, uh, that we see in the bird world as well right the uh the oh, house yeah. sparrow and, and the starling we see them mm-hmm. everywhere and we think of them as as being ours but they're not I mean, yeah <laughs> uh, but flowering plants just open up a whole new world uh i mean of course you know we have have bonsai that flower as well mm-hmm. um but it's hard to walk away from sort of a seriousness uh, that approaches our bonsai. And there's something about play, you know, it might, you know, it might have something to do with the expense it might have something to do with uh, uh, how long it took you to get there mm-hmm. with an accent plant. You know, you can enjoy it, you know, in the moment you finish it, like uh, some of the work of young Cho,
2: mm-hmm. or
0: you can, or it seems to build over time, like the work of our Othmar or, Or often, you know, for most of us, uh, you know, if we build like a kokedama, which uh, Cho does a lot. uh, So this is a moss mound and several plants are growing out of this and has a little mesh bottom to kind of stabilize it while it's growing together. And often the next year can be really good. Um, Most plants in pots tend to look really good uh, the next year when things have grown in together a little bit. The plants have gotten a little fuller um so time adding time for most of us uh, can help and many people appreciate the uh, the mochikomi feeling that companions uh, accents i'm using these words interchangeably um uh, have over time where roots begin growing over a moss kind of spills over the edge of a pot or something like that it begins to feel like one unit that there's that age has somehow changed uh what you have there yeah
1: that uh, is find. a fun feeling uh, Mochikomi, I mean, I think, I I know what it is, and I think you alluded to kind of what it is, but for, for those who aren't familiar with that word.
0: It relates to time, and it relates to, it for accident plants, it relates to the idea of one thing. Rather than a plant and a pot, you have a plant pot. I don't know if that's... <laughs> the plant is... Has... Uh, so, so one of those
2: plants,
1: we've got an orchid in the greenhouse that essentially has engulfed and eaten the pot.
2: So <laughs> oh, I would right. you can barely you know, see it anymore. There's that one, but the then
1: little... the the other kind of moss mound that's at the Japanese garden currently. How it's it didn't start that tall, but it it grew.
2: All oh, right. To
1: be that tall with the kind of the age, and you can see where the roots are kind of coming out and starting to you. you start right. To the right. Pot. It's still there, but it's you can tell how old it is.
0: Right. Eventually the pot becomes almost a stabilizing afterthought Um, and the, the, the actual form, just to talk about it in sort of sculptural terms, morphs over time. It's almost like this amoeba that if 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 you see we, we did a fun little time lapse it was like a three photo time lapse that bled into into the next image of uh, uh, of an accent that was changing over about 10 years that's an awful lot of fun i think i put that on my instagram mm-hmm. uh and that's a great example of of mochikomi and how it can change and you might like the first one you hate the last one you know the most recent one but i kind of i kind of kind of like this sort of mounding that the roots do, you know, the the as I got, it's kind of strange. You think about it and it's not necessarily pushing itself out of the pot. It's actually the some of those fine roots of especially grasses and things like that are actually colonizing the soil and the moss itself. And it just kind of keeps building upwards. Uh, whereas if you have a flat container uh with an outward flare and you put a grass in it, the grass can circle around on the bottom of the roots and literally push push it up so that's a little bit of a different mm-hmm. a different animal uh, so these things can change in different ways <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I, I find this a lot of fun
1: and then and fun. not just with the size or the shape but even the plants that can be within it because I think in the one that, that you time-lapsed it kind of started with more of a reed in it and now it's right got some different kind of Kind good of point in it and
0: absolutely there's no read at all actually i think right. I the yeah. last little little there was one little thing left didn't make sense but you're right so there was a violet that came in there was uh was it speedwell Yep. what's what's mm-hmm. the genus of that uh it's a veronica thank you yeah mm-hmm. i always forget that one <laughs> <laughs> um and most of it is veronica and then there's a there's a, a minor amount of of the um Oh, the violet oh and then there's a fern so there's three.
2: Oh, right uh, <laughs> and
0: this is another thing to talk about is one thing that i like to teach is that if you have multiple plants in there think of one or more of the plants being accents to your major plant uh, the dominant plant so that you you have some sort of asymmetry within your composition
2: yeah. um,
0: it might be you know the plant that you want to focus on you can do this with scissors you can organize it with scissors or some plants just simply are more vigorous and uh, and, and they'll create more. Or you can, you can be very, very selective about, OK, this is a plant I really want to focus on because it flowers really nicely. I want that to be a big splash or you want it to be not a splash at all, but a little grace note. So you have mostly grass and then you have a little thing coming up like a spiral orchid or something. I remember seeing some of those in Japan. It was really fun. I I was so excited when I actually saw one, you know, uh, in the wilds, near this pond and they were surrounding the edge of this pond. They were in this mucky water saturated area and this beautiful little, you know, the, the tiny little pink flowers that spiraled up in this, uh, this sort of, um, uh, half a DNA strand yeah. <laughs> sort, of, sort of what it looked like uh, it was really thrilling but those are really easy to grow little terrestrial orchid but that's an example of a sort of a mm-hmm. grace note uh, you probably wouldn't have 20 of them in one pot with nothing because you don't really see them that way you, you, you also you, uh, you want to think that way how are these, how are these usually seen Um, Mm -hmm. and and if it's a gray snow plant, or if it's something like uh, what we have coming on uh, now in one of our pots, which is a monkey flower, and and that could take over the whole thing for a month or two as it's flowering, and then it will recede, and the grass becomes the dominant. So that's another thing, is that these things change, not only over years, but uh, they change over a month where the, the dominant plant changes, and not only that, but where the flowers happen to be on that day can change the front of your accent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so just like bonsai, your accents, uh, your kusa have uh, fronts and backs. Uh, they have flow, right? And trying to create that with your scissors, if you're if you're into display, um, either outdoor display or indoor display.
1: One thing that I really like to do is use plants that remind me of places I've been. And I created a a kusumona this spring of Northwest natives, including some ephemerals. And so my goal with that was to remind me of all the plants that I encountered here in the Pacific Northwest that I really love uh, and also have some kind of seasonality change. So the bleeding heart Mm. is gonna bloom, you know, kind of after the trillium. And mm. the the oxalis mm. and the strawberry will kind of go, you know, throughout the year, um, and so certain things will kind of die back, so something else can become the show um, the 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 showstopper, and then uh, there should be something interesting kind of throughout the seasons. But then I have something else, and mm-hmm. it's it's probably your favorite of all of mine, just you know, the little liverwort in a pot. Um, <laughs> <so it's-> <laughs> <laughs>
0: I try um, to not look at it.
2: Yes. Yeah, I, I know. I know yes. how much you love
1: it, but it's. Um, I mean, that one is just. That's that's all it is. It's just you know, it's one plant in a pot. So how do you?
0: <laughs> that's the one I try to underwater, uh, Carmen. <laughs> You know? Maybe I'll finally kill it off. Oh, sorry. No, yeah, never. No, 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 no. If if you look closely, it's a really interesting it can plant. Can be a very interesting
1: plant, but uh, I mean, you know, as an example, just having one plant in a in the container can be a whole other whole other feeling.
0: Yeah, I like I like what you brought up about the sort of changing cast of of something flowering, and then the next month something else is flowering. So So, that once again raises the uh, the specter of learning something yeah. <laughs> learning about uh the plants you're putting together and the plants in your in your area um, we've been talking about running off into the woods, and I highly recommend that but there's nothing uh, stopping us from going to nurseries where you can discover natives in areas that you had never been before, maybe environments mm-hmm. that you've never been. We have a wonderful native nursery here that we enjoy going to. And I always find something I've never seen before. And, and that can be fun, even if you're paying a few dollars.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> that's one of my favorite nurseries that I've ever been to. Um, mm. And I think what I like the most about it is how the, the owner has created little vignettes throughout that garden. So you're walking through a garden as you're shopping. You're not just going to a nursery with benches and everything that's laid out. But seeing those little vignettes throughout her garden takes me back to when I, you know, back in Michigan was walking through the woods and particularly in the spring, seeing the vernal pools where there's, you know, just a Mm. a couple trees sticking out and just around the bottom of the tree is a fern and some moss or, you know, just one or two plants um kind of accenting that tree and so oh. seeing these little stories in the wild is a really great inspiration for your Kusumono. but then yeah being able to relate that to what i saw at the nursery in her little stories is it really kind of brings you into a place
0: yeah and i think even more than than bonsai i, I think kusimono in particular give us a, a really strong sense of seasonality.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and so in the fall, you know, if our grasses are beginning to uh, brown and uh, die back, uh, leave them for a while and enjoy them. and Maybe even try and use them in displays because that is, that's one of the strongest clues uh, as to when you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so we often talk about in display, making the, the our companion plant match in terms of environment the place where the tree comes from but a big part of display is also the when it's it's uh, it's seasonality really really important point and and even if we're not into display I, I think this is part of the playful part of of accent plants that that it clues us in it it, it ties us to, to seasonality, even if we're kind of unaware of it in our walking around in our daily lives. Yeah. (laughs) You know, we can become so (laughs) with our accents. It's,
1: um, if you know a plant has a really interesting seed pod, then yeah, don't deadhead it when it's done blooming or you don't know what the seed pod looks like, let it go all summer and see what it looks like in the fall and if it's worth leaving on there. But Columbine in particular is one I
2: love. Yeah, I was just going to ask you. That's yeah. A cool one. It's
1: yeah. so cool. It's almost cooler than the flower. And it, it's really neat in the fall yeah. to, to have as a display and then even to cut it and bring it inside as a, you know, just as a dry flower over winter is kind of fun.
0: Some of the reeds have really interesting yeah. flowers that kind of poke out of the the round, you know, just really, really interesting yeah. stuff. Uh, junk, juncus.
1: i was trying to remember there was another one that we were, oh, the little violet has a really cool little seed pod it looks kind of like a little monster jaw that opens up and
0: you know, that's right it's yeah it's weird. a it's a crazy uh shop of horrors kind of yeah. uh, plant yeah something that you know carrion uh that, that would smell like carrion or something <laughs> yeah you something would that, think right? so it's, it's dry pod. it's, it's really such weird. a
1: pretty little flower and then such a <laughs> kind of creepy seed pod but these things are, yeah. are, are really interesting and it gives you a chance to learn these plants in a little different way and see how they can interact with seasonality of your tree and all of that
0: right and then you can collect them
1: yeah and grow more
0: <laughs> and plant more
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. uh usually in the in the winter we're cutting all that stuff off yeah. uh, all the way down to the base so that then uh, the plant can regrow so it's not trying to regrow through uh this sort of wiry hair of of mm-hmm. uh, dead grasses and whatnot
2: yeah. It's, uh, so
0: so that's the crew cut stage, uh, and it allows us to enjoy the lumpy mounds.
1: Yeah, the lumpy <laughs> mounds are pretty interesting as far as shape goes. But yeah, it's a lot of similar care to what you would do here perennial garden in the fall, and, you uh, know, cutting uh, it back or taking out dead stuff.
2: Or right, right.
0: Anything. Let's talk. A, let's talk briefly about making them. We were just uh, Ooh, yeah. we, we passed into the into the fall, skipping one of the major seasons mm-hmm. of, of of accent plants, which is kind of strangely. Kind of early summer. It's after the first flush of growth is out, and it's it's one of the times of year that I really recommend putting together accents. For one thing, uh, as we just talked about, sometimes we cut back you know many of our perennial uh, accents to the ground to the soil level, and so if you're assembling them at the normal spring repotting season, you have no idea what you're working with. You got these little rooty things, and there's you know there's nothing coming out of them. But in the summertime. Uh, you're assembling things that you're looking at, you can uh, you can play with, uh, which is also a good thing because you can't, you know, we're busy enough in the spring. We don't need another thing. Whereas in the early summer, sometimes we have uh, we have a little bit one time and they're so strong for the most part. Um, we can be quite aggressive with them. Uh, so we, we can tear apart clumps of grass um, and, and place things in kind of thinly because we know it, it, it's, it's going get, to get a little bit denser. Um, and the soil that we tend to use is quite a bit finer than size soil. Often there's an organic component. Uh, plotting soil is often a component of that. Maybe some um, uh, uh, little bit of uh, maybe perlite. Mm -hmm. uh or or pumice uh something uh like that can be added to it to to break it up a little bit but uh companion plants are they're kind of hungry plants they like a lot of moisture they need to be watered frequently so so having kind of a fine soil with some organic uh can support both of those needs there are some that don't need any soil at all kind of the roots can kind of jump over like the orchids that Carmen was talking about uh some of the the epiphytic uh, uh type plants um, and then there's placement during the year that we can uh, mention in passing here is that uh, mo- most accents are going to want a little bit of shade in the summertime. Be careful, know your plant. Some some of these really like a fair bit of sun, otherwise they won't flower very well. Also, if there's too much shade, you're going to get really large elements, you know, really large leaves, long internodes, things of that nature. So, so there's a little bit of balance there. We usually have our summers are pretty dry and intense here in Western Oregon, so we use about 50% shade. That's about right. You can do this with benching, though. Mm-hmm. If you put your bench at, a, at half height and, and put it on the on the north side of another bench system that's higher, you can, you can often mm-hmm. do pretty well uh, with that. But we usually water them two or three times a day.
1: Something I'd recommend for those super hot days, especially if it's something that's not in a pot, that's just a mound, is to kind of set them in a little bowl of water almost. Uh, For when we had that big heat wave last year where it was over 100 degrees, some of the ferns that were just kind of in, you know, a little moss balls, just went right into a little pan of water to keep them hydrated through that. But yeah, otherwise Um, they're watered pretty frequently. Every time we we check the bonsai, a lot of times they'll get uh, at least a little bit of a, you know, a drizzle, if not a full soaking
0: great great yeah. and and uh, uh, don't ignore the wetland plants either for you mm-hmm. uh, use of, of if you have a pot or a tray or something that doesn't have a hole in it um, you don't need a hole uh, for something uh, uh, like some of the the the, the reeds and
2: mm-hmm. uh,
0: whatnot that that can be uh, made into wonderful uh, kusumona we're trying one i'm very excited about which is cattail
2: <laughs> we yeah, took them up a few along. years
0: ago and and, and they take a little while to get going but they're starting to
2: mm-hmm. hold
0: their own against the reed that's also in that in that pot <laughs>
1: i think once they really get a hold you're they're you know, you'll never get them, you'll never <laughs> slow them down. I think next year it's going to be like, oh God, what are we going to do so. with these?
0: <laughs> I hope so. So far we haven't had a cattail on the topic yeah, uh, exactly. of the one that's in the pot. I'm looking forward to that. Maybe this year. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think we were fertilizing that one enough last year. Uh, as, as far as fertilizers go, I'm, I'm a real big fan of some sort of solid fertilizer for, for anything, a, a bonsai or a, uh, uh, a companion. Some of the uh, uh, solids, if you have animals, can be uh, problems if it's an organic solid. Uh, you, you'll find um, that uh, if you want to use a little pellet like Osmocote or something, very often it'll stay on, on a on a companion plant, even if it's a mounted one where it won't stay on the bonsai because a companion plant has all these all these stems <laughs> in the middle of it yeah. which it sort of sits in there it's trapped um, in there. whereas it'll roll right off of a, a bonsai so you could use the pellets for that mm-hmm. um, in japan we just threw in one or two uh, chunky uh, pieces of uh of cake okay. uh, uh right on the interior of of a uh, big kusumano and that's about all they need you don't want to over fertilize them but I don't know, that cattail yeah. seems like it wants a little bit
1: more. <laughs> it, yeah, there's,
0: yeah, that thing. It's will... a lot of vegetation that creates a one, one piece that's coming up. Yeah. Pretty... <laughs> oh boy. One thing to keep in mind is the plant that kind of blows in from nowhere. This uh, uh, seed that has you know popped out somewhere else and either blows in or explodes out or something like that. And it lands in your pot and it ends up uh, germinating successfully and uh give it a thought i mean sometimes those are things maybe most of the times those are the things you really don't want in there but occasionally something will blow in that you didn't expect we had a whole series of years when we had spiral orchids coming up and everything <laughs> and i didn't know if it was a combination of you know some mycorrhiza that was happening in the in, in the companion plants or what but uh they came up everywhere we didn't plant them there, <laughs> yeah, so I haven't seen as
1: many. I think we had <clears throat> maybe two this year that we've removed.
0: Yeah, we got to start propagating them again. They're yeah. they're, they're kind of fun, yeah. uh, but then the, you know, things like hawkweed, which is really similar uh, to da- dandelion, it it has uh, very quickly creates that that seed head that'll blow all over and that'll come up in everything I mean Mm -hmm. you don't even want it blowing into your house it'll come up in your floorboards I'm sure (laughs) Uh, it's scary stuff uh, but it's beautiful Uh, and and if that blows into a a, a bunch of grass or something it could look really nice
1: yeah we left Uh, a lot of the seed pods on the columbine last year and I've noticed that where they had been living under the benches uh, there's a (laughs) bunch of columbine coming up which (laughs) Some of it i've pulled and started propagating
2: but, oh yeah um
1: i think uh, this year will be a more selective which, <laughs> which columbines do we want to uh, on? cause on because i don't think we need funny. maybe that many
0: around the- <laughs> oh, <laughs> there's funny. like a hundred
1: under one of the benches
0: uh, <laughs> oh boy and another thing to think about uh, for all you long-time uh gardeners you know transfer your your gardening uh tricks to to kusumono many perennials can be deadheaded uh, like the the hawkweeds you were just talking about and they will continue to pump out flowers for a little longer than they would Mm -hmm. if they're you know too busy creating a seed Um, Mm -hmm. so think about that one
2: so
1: something i wanted to ask you michael is about actual companion plants versus kusimono so we've talked about Mm. you know showing kusimono and how to create a kusimono that's interesting throughout seasons but then we're also talking about pairing them with with bonsai so maybe let's talk a little bit about the differences of of what you would put with a bonsai as far as size goes or about complexity because one of these big kusimono that you know is on display at the Japanese garden currently wouldn't really match with a lot of the bonsai right. that we would display in a show
0: right right yeah that yeah there's a few over there one of them is a huge fern it's a lady fern and it probably reaches mm-hmm. two and a half feet in all directions and then there's a um, equisetum. there's a horsetail there that is at least three feet tall
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, and you probably wouldn't find a any normal size bonsai that, that would work with so in terms of scale that's truly a kusimono Uh, That you would display by itself, and in terms of just scale that you would uh, use for a bonsai, be fairly minimal uh, in size. Uh, Most kusamono aren't much more than six inches long. Of course, this is all variable according to the size of the bonsai. Um, And then for you know, if you're displaying something like a a shohin bonsai, you're going to have a uh, you're going to have a mame uh, sized accent plant with maybe one little flower on it (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) or something like that it's interesting (laughs) to
1: to discuss it because for those who are familiar with kusumano and kusa and how they're interrelated to bonsai versus just creating a kusumano for display on its own which can be displayed in a tokenoma like like a bonsai would be with an accent in the scroll so there's the different sizes and scales and complexities and seasonalities and just kind of what purpose with, which one yeah. has the purpose.
0: Yeah, we could talk about complexity. Mm-hmm. So if you go through if you go through certain understories, often there's sort of monocultures down there. There's a little bit of variety, but very often something like a uh, hemlock is best displayed, I think, with like a single Mm-hmm. companion plant uh so in other words not combining species where if right. whereas if you have an oak tree which might be growing in a field somewhere uh, fields are complex meadows mm-hmm. uh there you can have three five different species of plants and it'll make sense
2: yeah
0: um, so maybe maybe some some thinking along those lines i think a lot of companion plants are far too complex for bonsai display. I I see many people putting together really radically different plants that Mm -hmm. are 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 so busy it almost takes away from the bonsai. So here we're talking about bonsai display. And and then uh so I would I would recommend simplicity uh one plant maybe in, in certain circumstances three but here again make one plant truly dominant you know like 80% one species and then Fifteen percent, another species, and then this little grace note of a little yeah. fern that is h- hanging over a side, or, or or maybe one little errant flower, or something like that. Try 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 to try to speak, uh, you know, like uh, Miles Davis uh, <laughs> uh, with, with your with, with your plants.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and keeping it within keeping your accents within the realm of what grows near or around the tree, or displaying. In the wild, I think is super important. A lot of times, I'll see something in a show right. that, you know, the scale is right, right. but it, the right. and I think the the person was thinking more just on the level of scale versus, right, is this to right. scale and does it match the tree? So
0: right, kind of right. bringing
1: those two ideas together is really important.
0: Right. Yeah, I see. Uh, we all love these. Well, not all, but many of us <laughs> love these. You know, these sort of empathetic. Uh, epithetic mm-hmm. uh, orchids like you know dendrobians and things like mm-hmm. that and we have several in the greenhouse and yeah, i see a lot of people using them in bonsai display with like a pine or something it doesn't make any sense yeah you know? they're, they're from different. entirely different not only environments but continents
1: mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> maybe so, more bonsai shows need to have space to to display kusumono because people want to make their accents complex or different or you know so so maybe in some of the local shows I agree and a yeah, little that, bit more maybe we can add a yeah. section or yeah just, yeah
0: and I think just, in the in the recent national show the uh, uh, there was a section yeah. that young young Cho uh, curated I th- thought that was marvelous uh, yeah. to, to give that a nod much as we do now and then uh, some of the um, mm-hmm. uh so
2: that's, uh, that's yeah I that's
0: was a good good adventure
2: i would <laughs> to encourage to see
1: that happen at nationals and i think it's it gives people an opportunity to, to to see them and observe what they can do and maybe inspire people to do more large scale kusumono that could uh, be displayed uh, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. one thing you want to control uh, going back to displays if mm-hmm. you do display uh, accents and in particular, of course, you always want your accents maybe to look nice, but pests, you know, is something to oh, think yeah. about. And uh, and one of the worst is slugs.
2: I, I don't, you mm. don't
0: seem to have many, you know, caterpillars nibbling on them. Or here and there, there's an aphid if you got a uh, woody yeah. perennial in there or something. But usually, you don't have many problems with that. But slugs. So yeah. when I was in Japan, Suzuki's mom, who was in her seventies, would would always be crawling around in the greenhouses, uh, <laughs> uh, turning over the accent plant (laughs) pots and she you'd always know when she'd find a slug because she'd give this great cry and she'd say aha (laughs) and she'd take her chopsticks and she'd pluck the slug off from the you know usually they're hiding in the drain hole during the day and she's ah i forgot what she'd throw them in so she i don't know if it was a thing of beer or whatever but anyway she could yeah. throw them in a little cup that she had there
2: oh that's
0: funny yeah I, you knew I'm... you knew when she had a good day because she was smiling at lunch oh my god the slug war was going well
2: i was moving
1: <laughs> i was moving some around the other day and i got a slug stuck like in between my fingers and it's like i really couldn't shake it off and then oh the you know the slime just sticks there for uh yeah it was it's unpleasant
0: to prevent this unpleasantness, if you don't have chopsticks and you don't want to spend the time, mm-hmm. uh, the slug bait available is actually non toxic. It's, mm-hmm. I think, iron phosphate. Am I, am I right? Is that what it is? Yeah, and it's essentially fertilizer. <laughs> yeah. So you can kind of scatter it around at will. If it even goes in the pots, that's fine. I usually spread it around the, the benches, especially in the early spring when the accent plants are growing out. They will make mm-hmm. mincemeat out of things like irises they mm-hmm. love. And so you have all these slimy holes everywhere. Yeah. Um, also some plants, jojoba, they like quince. Uh, they'll, they'll eat some things like that. They'll stay off your pints, but they, they'll they eat anything that's kind of low and within an easy traveling distance <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> from from the bottom of the pot which is where they hide
1: i've been reading um, that copper keeps mm-hmm. them away too um mm-hmm. thanks mm-hmm. facebook i i haven't tried it but i've seen people saying they right. put rings of pennies around their hostas i'm curious to see i might take some of our our old copper wire and like put it around
0: oh, that's worth a try and, and yeah. see if
1: that actually works
0: i remember that story as well i can't I don't Mm -hmm. think I've ever tried it, but yeah, yeah, might be a good good one
1: for you know how to reuse the copper.
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. That's our well. Hey, don't wait a minute. You're giving away our ice cream money. money. That's Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm.
1: Uh Yeah. Well, never mind. We'll just we'll we'll find (laughs) pennies. Pennies are useless.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs)
0: well i hope you all go out there and and play uh i (laughs) yeah (laughs) to underline the main point (laughs) kusumoto accent plants this is just so so much fun oh they're great Um,
1: yeah yeah make some uh, plantings post some pictures to instagram it'd be great to see what people put together
0: yeah yeah thanks carmen it was fun
1: yeah thanks michael
0: music on today's podcast was brought to you by the fine folks at blue dot sessions check them out at www.sessions.blue